0: All right, guys. Hey, we're going to get started. Uh, We are running late in life, Surprise, surprise. And so uh, we're going to have to cut this a little short. So uh, I'm going to try to talk really fast. Um, If I need to slow down, just raise your hand. Seriously, if I uh, stumble, just tell me, hey, what did you just say? And I'll uh, repeat. So um, let me pray. um, And I'm excited to share with you all what the Lord has put on my heart. Father God, we lift up this room. Um, We all are coming um, in different spots, in different walks of our lives. Um, And I don't know uh, where people are coming from. I haven't an idea, but you know, Lord. And um, so, Father, I just pray that whatever uh, people's hearts need to hear today, um, in another seminar or even uh, this weekend, Lord, that you would speak to them directly, Lord. That would be a still voice, that it would be a voice that they can't um, get rid of. Um, And they would be drawn to um, make a change, um, to submit to your will and to what you're doing in our hearts, Lord. Um, I pray for this talk um, that you would stir a holy fire, a passion, um, a desire um, to uh, desire what you desire. So Lord, uh, we thank you for this time. Anything of me? They'll fall on deaf ears for sure. So we allow you to pray also in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, my name Eric Eric. I'm on staff with Capernaum, which is Young Life for Students with Disabilities. Uh, my wife is actually here. I saw her come in the room. She's right over there. Pretty lady She's taken I have a daughter She couldn't be here I asked my wife To go get her But she was like No I'm just gonna chill So uh, She has a little helmet She's a little football player Already Uh, She's 10 months old So Pink helmet Girl She's beautiful Uh, First time daddy So And first time mom So we're very thankful Um Hey, I uh, know some of you guys know me. I know some of you guys, a lot of you guys probably don't. But one of the things in my life is I love this idea of leadership. I love looking at people that are influential, whether in world, the world, the business, uh, organizations, <coughs> ministries. I love looking at the Bible. Obviously, you, you read kind of the title of kind of kind or the summary of this seminar. But I love this idea of leadership. Um, and in this idea of leadership... I have realized um, what we're going to talk about today, holy discontent. Behind every great leader's vision or every great leader's mission, there's a holy discontent that happened before that. So you can look at all these visions or um, all these missions, you can point it back to their holy discontent. And so what is holy discontent? Well, this is how this seminar is going to uh, kind of look. We're going to look at what is holy discontent. We're going to define it. From there, we're going to look at people, the influential leaders in the Bible that were on mission. We're going to look at their lives. And then uh, lastly, I think it will be a treat to all of you guys. We're going to look at the different ministries of Young Life, and I want to hear from you guys, and we're going to talk about um, just kind of brokenness and uh, the hardships of why we do what we do. Um, so that's kind of what it is. So holy discontent. Um, this actually, this, this phrase came from a guy by the name of Bill Hybels. Um, it was actually from the Leadership Summit in 2005, uh, which Leadership Summit's huge now. But Bill Hybels, I forget what church he's from. Um, I think it's Willow Creek. What? Correct. Correct. And he he talked about this holy discontent. I loved it. It was impactful for me. But I'm going to change it and switch it and kind of make it applicable for young wives. So um, what is holy discontent? Um, Basically, the definition is holy discontent is one aspect of this broken world that when you see it, you touch it, you get near it, you just can't stand it. I'm going to repeat that. Fully discontent is one aspect of this broken world that when you see it, you touch it, you get near it, you just can't stand it. I want to give a couple of different definitions of this, okay? So that's one. Here's another thought. It's being so brokenhearted, so disturbed, so distraught about something, it causes you to do something to make a difference. Jesus flipping over tables, right? We see this. What Do you guys know heard of righteous anger? Has anybody ever heard of that? Like, how can anger be righteous? Well, it's Jesus. Like, yes, he was about the God's will, the the Father's house. And because of that, and because people were making a mockery of it, he flipped over the tables and people were scared, made a cord of whips, like, or a whip of cords. Uh, And people were scared. That wasn't sin. That was good. That was his zealousness for God's house. So, it could be righteous anger, you might describe it. Um has anybody seen Popeye? Yeah, come on. As I'm just I'm old. All right. Popeye there's a moment where the bad guy is like picking on uh his girlfriend or his olive wife. oil. Olive <laughs> oil. Yes. And he just keeps picking and Popeye can is just kind of taking it things like that. And then it gets to a point where it just peaks. And then he says, "That's all I can stand. I can't stand's anymore." And then he eats the spinach. His biceps grow. It's all big. They sing the song, and he beats the guy. Popeye. You should watch it. It's good. All right. But this idea for Popeye, it got to it, it, it kind of came up, and it got to a, a threshing point where he's like, "No more. Like I'm done." And then he just takes care of business. All right. Here's another example. Here's a real life example that we probably all have seen at some point. Um, I'm from Cincinnati, so I'm going to give you a Cincinnati example. All right. So pretend you are coming. Uh, you're walking to your car from the Bengals game. Who did? We probably lost the game. Uh, but that's another story. All right, so we're in the crowd, you're with your family or with some friends, and you're walking to your car, you're crossing downtown and some streets and things like this, and you see a homeless person um, just kind of panhandling or asking for money or things like that. Mining his own business, you know, not, not causing a stir or anything like that. But then, in this crowd, there's lots of people. You get this drunk, obnoxious Cincinnati Bengals fan, all right? And he's had way too much to drink. He's frustrated. I was about to use another word. He's frustrated at the <laughs> Bengals game, all right? And so he's just obnoxious, and he's going, and he sees this homeless guy, and he just looks at him, and he just starts saying something. I'm just like, oh, blah, 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 I'm not going to make it up. But you know what I'm saying, all right? He just is kind of like single him out and just saying crap about him. Well, the homeless guy is like, um, hey, like, shut up or something. And then that kind of gets to a point. It gets the anger within the guy, and he just loses his temper, all right? He starts getting in the guy's face, and he's yelling at him, cussing at him, spitting in his face, whatever. I mean, you know, he can't. He's slurring his words, all this stuff. And then maybe the homeless guy, all right? So you can imagine the situation. Maybe the homeless guy is like, get away from me. Like, get out of my face. And kind of maybe shoves him a little. And then the guy just starts railing on him. Just just hitting him, punching him, all this stuff. And everyone's seeing this. When is enough enough? And so in that situation, this is a real life thing. When did that holy discontent moment stir in your hearts as I just kind of explained that situation? Was it when that guy was... um, just verbally abusing that homeless man. How many of you guys would have said something right then and there, or done something? Okay, that's great. I probably wouldn't, I would just like, hey, just let this pass, walk on by. Um, What about when it was the guy that, now he was, he picked up the homeless guy and he was yelling at him and spitting on him and just like, I mean, he just lost his temper. How many of you guys would have stepped in and done something? Okay. Um, What about when the guy was wailing on him? How many of you guys would have stepped in? Right? Not everyone answered that. Like, I hope you guys would answer. Like, that's holy discontent of, like, when is your tipping point? That enough's enough. Like, stop. Like, when I saw him either in his face or when he's wailing on him, like, I hope that I would do something. Like, I hope that I would tackle him and I would shut him up in a loving way and just say, dude, you're drunk. Back off, man. And get in front of him for the protection of the man, the harmless man. Does that make sense? That's an example of holy discontent. It's that moment, and I'm not condemning anybody, all right? It's that moment when you're like, I can't do this anymore. Like, you've got to stop. Like, and I have to move to do something. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You guys get that?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So, a couple of <coughs> different definitions to look at this. So, how do you recognize holy discontent in your life? I don't know. If that was mine. That was mine. How do you recognize holy discontent in your life? Here are some... Um, Just practical ways. Number one, it starts on your knees. It's praying. It's seeking God's heart for the injustice, the brokenness of this world. It's not self-seeking. It's not boastful. It's not profitable. And it's not comfortable. I'm going to repeat that. It's not self-seeking. It's not boastful. It's not profitable. And it's not comfortable. And it starts on your knees. It's asking God of, of... um, praying through uh, kind of the, the realities of our world and saying, God, give me your heart. Give me your heart, your passions, your desires. What do you want? That's so key. I'm going to keep reading. Holy discontent is God's heart and the human heart being in line with what frustrates heaven and earth. And the reality, guys, is we were not created for this brokenness. The world we live in, we were not created to stay here, to live in that. We were created for so much more. A new heaven and a new earth. This old things have passed away, the new has come. Everything we have in Jesus, the victor's crown of uh, just him uh, defeating sin and death, we have the greatest news ever, the greatest inheritance. We have everything we need, and we were not made to be in this broken, fallen world. All right, you guys have seen the election, all right? I'm not going to even go into politics. All right, that's just an example of how divided we are. Alright, you've seen ISIS and, and terror terrorism. You've seen um bullies maybe in your school, or just people that are lost, people may, maybe with addictions. It could be whatever. But we see it even within our own hearts. If we're really honest with ourselves, we know there's something more to this life. And I need a savior. I need Jesus. Right? And when I don't have that. Frustrated, Like, my heart breaks. We were created for so much more. We created a wholeness life to the full, an unshaken identity. No more pain. This is what we believers are longing for. Uh, and First Peter talks about how we are aliens and strangers of this world. This is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. I said this before, but we have crossed over from death to life. When we look at this world and our heart screams we say, this is not right. No more. No more. That's holy discontent. Does that make sense? It's kind of giving you a little idea of what that looks like. It's harnessing this internal frustration within you, so deep, so great, that we have to do something about this. Um, we have to give this world hope. If you have your Bibles turn to Romans 8:20 20 through 23, <coughs> Romans 8. The pinnacle chapter of the New Testament is amazing. It's uh, by far my favorite chapters. Uh, You hear about the no one can separate from the love of Christ in 31 through 38 or 39. All right, but this is right before it. Okay, so this is God's word. This isn't my word. All right, so can someone, loud and proud, read this, please? Romans 8, 20-23. All right. <clears throat> Awesome. So this is from God's word talking a little bit about the frustration that we all live in. All right? Creation itself, that's not just us humans, that's all of creation. It's groaning as in pains of childbirth. All right, I'm a guy. I haven't had a child. All right, epidurals. By the way, my wife just had a child. Obviously, Sarah. Epidurals are amazing. All right, um, that's not a. It was just very pain free for my wife. But childbirth, if you don't have an epidural, it is painful. Like women are troopers. Like they are saints. They are heroes. Uh, I have so much respect. Uh, I'm a big bad football player. That's nothing compared to what women go through with childbirth. All right, but even with childbirthing of. Uh, There's something in your body that says, I got to get this baby out. All right. And so there's this frustration and there's this pushing and then there's this screaming and there's hard grips and cussing and stuff like that. And they have to get this child out of the mom. Like this isn't right. And so you can imagine, guys, uh, it's, I would not, please know that it's not a mistake that Paul uses that word. If you haven't realized this life is hard. It's tough, all right? And it shows that, again, I think all those feelings within shows us that we were made for something more, all right? And there is going to be redemption, and it's so good. Regeneration, rebirth, renewal. It's awesome, but this is where we're at right now, okay? And it says, not only verse twenty-three, not only so, so but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grow inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Um, something real small is like Romans seven. It talks about the flesh and the spirit and the struggle that Paul says. When I want to do good, evil's right there beside me. I do the evil I don't want to do. All right, and so that's that struggle. Okay, so. Here's a question. We're going to switch a little. What can't you stand? What wrecks your heart? This is just for you. I'm going to give you guys a little, a little bit. What can't you stand? What wrecks your heart? Whatever comes to mind. There's no right answer. I'm not going to grade this, Robert. Just What, what can't you stand? What wrecks your heart? What is the tension, the angst, the frustration, the internal firestorm, that gets your blood pumping. Give me some ideas as well, so you guys just keep writing. And there's so many, all right? But here's some just simple ideas. Maybe it's poverty. Maybe it's immoral business practices, people cheating other people to get rich. Maybe it's a slow and dying church, where Christianity is just a dull flame. Maybe it's AIDS or missions. Maybe it's racial prejudice. Maybe it's crooked politicians. Maybe it's people drifting away from God. Maybe it's kids that go to anything and everything to find life apart from God. Maybe it's human trafficking. Maybe it's lack of godly men in this world that step up and take responsibility, and not boys. As you look at your life, what can't you stand? What wrecks you? Here's this other idea. And I don't... uh, Please take this within context. um, But I do believe there is a reason each and every one of you. I don't know where you come from. I don't know your history. I know we live in a broken world. And so if anyone says that I've had a great life or I'm perfect, you're missing it. Like, I, I know you're lying. Like... I know you're lying because I know the word of God. I know where we're at. But as you look in your pain, as you look in your misery, as you look in your experiences, your family background, as you look in um, the struggles, I would encourage you guys to take a deep look at maybe that hurt or that pain draws you to something that may be above or something that might be your holy discontent. Does that make sense? You guys understand that? I'm not saying that that was God's will for your life and he wanted it. I'm saying we live in a broken and fallen world. Does that make sense? And these things happen. To be, my wife didn't know I was going to share this, but to be completely transparent, and this was something that me and my wife, we just, we just had to say, we've had three miscarriages. Um, and that's something where I say that um, not for you guys to have pity on me, but that is our lot. That's what happened. And so this reality of of, a pain of a loss um, sucks, and guys handle it so differently than women. And, but for like my own heart, I'm super sensitive to anyone who has any infertility struggles. Mm -hmm. I know how lonely it could be. I've seen my wife in the desert and her just crying and the pain and the hurt and her afraid to talk to anyone because there's something wrong with me. I remember my wife one time said, and um, this is where my holy discontent came out, she was like, my body, I'm just cursed. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not going there. (laughs) Like, you're not cursed. Like, we have the favor of God. Like, we are covered by the blood. I'm not believing those lies. I'm not going to let you believe That was my holy discontent, stepping forward and saying, no, that's not God's word. But those are the lies. (coughs) And so for me, I'm empathetic towards those um, that are struggling. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Do you see how that? Mm -hmm. Um, I have no idea what your holy discontent is, but here's the thing. If you find your holy discontent, or if you know it, I would encourage you to feed it. I beg you, don't be complacent. Don't do nothing. Put yourselves in positions to step out of the boat and and walk towards it because I believe that God's working in your heart uh, to, to call you into something so greater than you can even dare to imagine, dare to dream. That's how he moves. He moves through these passions in his heart deep within and he says, God, go forward. With Capernaum, we started in Northern Kentucky. I had no idea what I'm flipping doing. Like, I never had disability experience, but I was like, I think I need to do this. And so I just <coughs> took a step forward. And I remember, I literally remember talking to Rick Shear, who was my area director. And then I remember hanging out with a kid by the name of Ryan Brackey. And we went to Gameworks, and we were listening to Kenny Chesney, she thinks my tractor's sexy, with the windows <laughs> down, summer's open, and he's sticking his hands out the window like this. And I remember taking him home and talking to his parents, him just loving every second of it, and me going on my bed. And I tell you this, I've probably told the story a little bit. Me going on my bed, I was living at Thomas More <coughs> College in the dorms, and literally resting, laying down, and just thinking about the day. And I literally had this moment. God, I've never felt more in tune with your will than I do now. Mm -hmm. And it was, guys, like, it was the most precious gift of just me and the Lord.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And I'm not saying everyone has to start a ministry or anything like that. But I'm saying when you're living out of your comfort zone or you're living out of your holy discontent, you're walking on water. Mm -hmm. Not physically. (laughs) Figuratively. And it's awesome. It's amazing. So don't be complacent, Uh, don't hide it, step towards it, alright, feed it. Um, I love this idea, I want to be a part, and I hope you guys do, I want to be a part of something so big, so great, it's destined to fail without us. Fail without God, not without us. I want to do something so big, so great, it's destined to fail without God. I gotta be bold, I gotta step (coughs) out, right. Here's something, and then we'll get into the Bible, I promise. How are we doing on time? We're not doing well. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be really quick. Um, but I get to lead young leaders and coming through young life. And one of the things of when I was your guys' age, I know we got different ages, but as I was a young leader growing, um, one of my holy discontents now that I look back is this idea that I don't think, I think we are struggling, where's my Bible? There it is. We are struggling with our knowledge of this. Mm-hmm. I think we're becoming illiterate, all right? I think this is a word of God. This is like the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like This is inspired, it's his, God's love story towards you. If you're struggling with your identity, your identity is in here. Stop looking elsewhere, stop looking in the world, stop looking to other things, it's in here. But the thing is, all right, and I challenge my Bible study leaders, um, or not My Bible study, guys. We don't know this. So if you don't know this, you're not going to be transformed by this. Literally, in Scripture, how God changes us is through knowledge of Him. It's literally, as you get more knowledge of who Christ is and who God is and who He says He is, that's what goes in our mind and we pray that it goes in our heart and then it starts changing within our hearts. It's everything. This is... Your inheritance, all right? Uh, Pretend that there's your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandpa, all right? He was a king, and he had a bazillion pounds of gold, all right? This great inheritance, and he passed it on to all his descendants, right? And it's all you guys, and it's me. And this reality, though, is if we don't read the will, this long will, If we don't read it, if we don't know it, we'll live as if whatever we see in front of us. But if we read this inheritance and we get to know it, we realize we are the luckiest people in the world. We are saved by his grace. We have an inheritance that does not spoil grace upon grace. It is amazing, it is unbelievable but we've got to know it. We've got to know, we've got to read it. We've got to sing of the word we've got to uh, read it, we've got to meditate, we've got to memorize it. It's awesome to see young believers memorize Scripture, because they're like, "It's starting to change me." And then they're going, and they're like, "I never can do that. I can't memorize a chapter." And then they're doing it, and they're like, "Let's do the next one." And it's this ongoing love of the Word, because it's a love of God and everything's holy. This is better than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. It's good. Here's another thing. This is really cool, too. This is about Jesus. It's about the Trinity. It's about God's glory. But Jesus is all throughout this. It's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I was, uh, we did a, a sermon um, with the Cincinnati staff. And my favorite sermon to this day. Check this out. You guys ready for this? Strap on. Roller coaster. Here we go. All right? This guy is called Single Mindness in Christ. And this guy goes about Jesus in the Bible, all right? Josh, thanks for helping me type this up. All right, check this out. Genesis, this is talking about Jesus. He is the seed of the woman. Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. Leviticus, he is our high priest. Numbers, he is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Joshua, he is the captain of our salvation. Judges, he is our judge and lawgiver. Ruth, he is our kinsman, redeemer. First and second Samuel, he is our trusted prophet. Kings and chronicles, he is our reigning king. Ezra, he is our faithful scribe. Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of broken walls of our lives. Esther, he is our Mordecai. Job, he is our ever-leaving redeemer. Psalms, he is our Lord. And shepherd, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is our wisdom. Solomon, he was Solomon's altogether lovely one. Isaiah, he was Isaiah's child king, son of a virgin, with shoulders strong enough to bear the government. Jeremiah, he was Jeremiah's branch of righteousness. Ezekiel, he was Ezekiel's plan of the renowned, the true shepherd. Daniel, he was Daniel's stone, cut without hands. He was the fourth man in the fiery furnace. Joel, he was the hope of the people. Obadiah, he was a deliverance. Upon Mount Zion. Micah, he was a turning again to God. Nahum, he was Nahum, a Saul upon the mountains publishing peace. Habakkuk, he was the anointed of whom Habakkuk sang as going forth for salvation. Haggai, he was the true Zerubbabel of Haggai's world, whose hand laid the foundation of the church, and hands shall also finish it. Zechariah, he was himself the dawn of the day when holiness shall be upon the bells of the horses. Malachi, he was the son of righteous, righteousness of Malachi's dreams. We're in New Testament now. Matthew, he's the Messiah. Mark, he's the wonder worker. Luke, he's the Son of Man. John, he's the Son of God. Acts, he's the Holy Spirit working among men. Romans, he's the Justifier. First and Second Corinthians, he's the Sanctifier. Galatians, he's the Redeemer from the curse of the law. Ephesians, he's the Christ of unsearchable riches. Philippians, he supplies all of our needs. Colossians, he is the fullness of Godhead bodily. First and 2 Thessalonians, he's our soon coming king. First and 2 Timothy, he's the mediator between God and man. Titus, he is our faithful pastor. Philemon, he's the friend of the oppressed. Hebrews, he is the blood of the everlasting covenant. James, he is the Lord who raises the sick. First and 2 Peter, he's a chief shepherd who will soon appear. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he is love. Jude, he's the Lord coming with 10,000 saints. Revelation, he's a King of kings
1: and the Lord of lords.
0: Isn't that cool? Wasn't that awesome? Jesus throughout the Bible. He's everywhere. Look for him. Read him. Like, that's our Savior. That's why we're in this room. All right. Let's go into the Bible. All right? Turn to Exodus. All right? We're going to look at influential <laughs> men in the Bible. What are we doing not you Okay, we're going to try to go quick with this. Exodus 1, we're going to look at Moses. Can you read 1, 8 through 14? Hey guys, I'm going to give you kind of like a, we're not going to read everything, but I'm going to skip around, okay? We're looking for holy discontent in the Bible, okay? So Alex is going to read. We're on uh, Exodus
1: 1, 8 through 14. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, uh, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramses uh, as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. All right, so on your paper,
0: we're going to look at three people, and we're going to try to go quick. Uh, but the first is Moses, right? And so the context, uh, the characters in the story, got Pharaoh, all right? Uh, Ruth is king. He sees uh, the people growing, and he's like, hey, we got to do something about it. So he you know, makes them in slavery. He makes them work hard. Um, you know, It'll get harder as we go on. So that's what's happening. Um, God's people are in slavery, <coughs> And they're crying out, alright? So, let's go to uh, 2.11. I'll read this. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. So, just to give you an idea, Moses was an Israelite, but he was taken by Pharaoh, um, Pharaoh's daughter. And he had the training of the Egyptians. So, this is crazy, alright? But he had the training, and he became a prominent man. Um, but this is his people, right? So here we go. Uh, so he had grown up. He went out to his people, looked on their burdens. All right? Holy discontent. This is what we're looking for. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. So there was that holy discontent. He knew that was wrong, when he struck down. Kind of like that homeless guy. I would have just killed him. Oh, not good. You don't want to do that. Alright? That was his way of handling it. Verse 13. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together and he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you kill the Egyptians?" So, his whole heart is for his people. To love his people. Alright? And then justice and what's going on under the oppression. He did something about it, but he did it in his own way. Right? And then you know, you see it with the Hebrew and Hebrew, like, he's like, why are you guys doing, like, we're brothers, like, stop, but they saw him in his sin, okay, and they were like, hey, we made you judge, alright, Moses flees, alright, he's scared, he's afraid he's gonna get killed, Um, turn to uh, verse 23 on chapter 2, during those many days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and cried for help, that's key, guys, Whenever we cry out to God, he listens. Cried for help. The cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. So God hears the cry of his people of the oppression, the slavery, the pain. He's like, i got to do something. He goes to Moses. He goes to him. All right? He reveals himself of the burning bush. Verse 4, chapter 3. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, uh, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place which you stand is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, um, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses hid his face um, for his afraid. Basically, I'm not going to read it just because we're uh, dying of time. But 7 through 12 is basically God saying, I've heard the cry of the people. I'm looking for a man like you that's stirring in their hearts that uh, we need a deliverer. And at first, you try to deliver in your own hands. But that heart, the heart for the people, the heart for God's children, it was there. That was your holy discontent. Now, I'm going to call you up and I'm going to do everything on my own power. Well, M- M- Moses is like, hey, I can't. You know, I stutter. Or, uh, why choose me? It's like, I've chosen you. I'll help you with that. I'll send Aaron. I will do great miracles through you. The hand of God will be at your right right hand on your staff. Does that make sense? God uses Moses. Do you guys see the holy discontent? We cool? You guys see that? Turn to Nehemiah. Oh, real quick. What became their mission? Who knows this? You guys tell me. What became Moses' mission?
1: Deliver the people,
0: right? 40 40 years. All right? Wanderer. What did it cost him? What? Come on, guys. What did it cost him? him Yeah. So he did not get to enter the promised land. So it cost him 40 years of his life, wandering in the flipping desert, leading this generation of people that complained and (laughs) groaned. And then something happened where, you know, it said that he... Kind of sinned or did uh, did something apart from God, striking um, the rock for water, and he didn't go to God, and he didn't even get to go to the Promised Land. But Moses is founder of faith, like he's one of our our, our uh, forefathers. Does that make sense? Um, you can also, guys, turn to Hebrews. We're not going to do this, but Hebrews eleven twenty three through twenty nine. It's the Hall of Faith. It will go through everything that Moses did and everything that he sacrificed. But it cost him his life. It was great. What was all right. Again? Hebrews eleven twenty-three to 29. All right. Turn to uh, Nehemiah. It's on page 398. Just kidding. We all had different books. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. <coughs> Funny story about Pralyn Chandler for Northern Kentucky people. Oh. When he first came to know Jesus, he was like, I can't find this flipping book. Is it like alphabetical ties or alphabetical ties? I can't even say it. <laughs> Is it like in order? And I was like, no, Raylan, it's not. Just All right, Nehemiah, here we go. Um, Nehemiah 1.3. So basically he gets word of this. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province... Uh, who has survived in exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Now check out this. This is holy discontent right here. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, O oh Lord God of heaven, great and awesome God who keeps... Um, covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I not pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. Confessing the sins of the people of Israel which we have sinned against you. Even I, my father's house, have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandment statutes and the rules that you commanded your servant um, Moses. Check this. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though uh, through your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heavens, from there I will gather them and bring them to a place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Mm-hmm. Um, verse 11. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to the prayer of your servants who delight to hear your name and give success to to your servant today, and grant him mercy in the sight of man. Now I was cut bare of the king. So he was like the number two to the king, all right? One of his most trusted guys. And he hears about Jerusalem, and he hears about the wall, and he just breaks down. And he's like, I have to go in prayer. I have to go cry out to my dad. And he does that. And he hears that holy discontent. And basically, if you know the story, he goes to the king, um, the king, where he was at, he was cupbearer, and he says, hey, this is what's going on. I have to go. And the king gives him, like, all the supplies he needs, gives him money, gives him favor, um, kind of protects him. He allows him to go and do this. And so what Nehemiah did is he rallies the people around. He unifies the people. Um, and he was persecuted. And there was opposition Always. <clears throat> On him where they could have been killed they could have been stormed at any time and what it says that as he was building the wall with the people he held a sword uh, a sword on one hand and a brick on the other and so imagine the armies uh, against him uh, persecuting you know one to kill him and shouting lies and shouting all these um, I don't know threats alright and here he is building and it's with the people of God like It is crazy. Check this out. They built the wall in 52 days. They built the wall so fast that all of the enemies were scared to death because they saw the Lord in it. They saw God in it. And they were like, the favor of the Lord's on them, if we try to attack them, we're dead. We can't overcome them. Do you guys see the holy discontent within Nehemiah, within his prayer? That's what it was. Like. Guys, I'm sorry, we started really late and I got I can't do Paul. There's also David, there's Esther, there's Jesus, multiple accounts of Jesus. Um, there's so many, okay, but I want to try to get into uh, young life. I love the mission of young life. I'm very thankful for this mission. Over the last seven years, I've seen this great transition that we are about all kids. We're about every kid, everywhere for eternity, and I love seeing all these sub ministries. I'm a part of that, Capernaum. The, the reality is, is that with young life um, and with us as leaders, there is brokenness in the li- in our kids' lives, in the high schools, in the middle schools, in the colleges. All right, one of the, the craziest verses that I think of is Matthew nine thirty six basically says when jesus saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd holy discontent he saw the crowds he saw the people and they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd no one to care for them no one to tend them and their his heart was broken guys this is where I need your guys' participation. When you think of harass and helpless, what do you guys think of? Throw out words. Violence. Violence. Great. Yeah. Come on. I need all of you guys. A what? Abuse. 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 Bullied. Alone. Fully. Fear. Fear. Great. Confused. What else? Harass and helpless. Yep. Broken. Pitiful. Broken. M-
1: Loss.
0: Empty. Loss. What? Lost. Great. What else? Help. What? And need a help. 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 Ignorance. Ignorance. How about this? Victim. Right? What?
1: Seems someone say so. I said
0: resistant. Resistant. Maybe resistant to the gospel. The good. Yeah, gospel. Harassed and helpless. All right. That's the reality. I've uh, I've literally I've done this and it's really powerful. Go into your school one day, and uh, you probably know a lot of kids. I hope you guys do, and just walk the halls and don't say anything. Just listen. Just listen and just walk. It's unbelievable what you'll hear. Sheep without a shepherd. Ah, it kills me. And I'm like, who's going to flip and go? This is why we're doing what we're doing. We got to go. It's you, and it's going to cost everything. It's going to cost your comfort, your time, your money. Right? You're going to stay up late at night praying for them, worrying about them, texting them or calling them. It's going to cost you, hopefully, your life. And so one of the things that we're going to do real quick is we're going to look at all the sub-ministries. And I want you guys to give me the brokenness and the realities of their lives um, in the schools. Does that make sense? So wildlife leaders, please you know, speak. If you're an urban, please speak but I want everyone to hear the brokenness. Does that make sense? Do you guys get that? All right, so let's not start with young life because young life I feel like it's easy. Let's start with wildlife. What is the reality of middle school kids in your school? Comparison. Comparison, great. Uh, I was just going to say you need to surprise some of
1: the issues that you would think are high school specific. Yeah. Some of, like, just like you said, just listening to some, like, like my lacrosse players, and I have, to be, like, I have to tell them, I'm like, hey, you don't talk like that around me because like some of the holiness you're talking about totally
0: yeah you're like just don't don't say that until you're going to grow up <laughs> so. some yeah that's all I know yeah go kids are sneaking around their
2: best friends sneaking
0: around lying one word things quick 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 confused
2: come on.
0: confused people pleasing they come from divorced families at times their parents might move and it creates this whole identity crisis If I had to try to fit in again and I don't know what the flip to do. And so maybe it's going after this girl, or going after this boy, or maybe it's being in this group or starting to steal or do drugs or drink. What are some other things? Lots of pressure, on them. pressure on them. It's crazy. The world just keeps getting... I feel like the more that we go, the more pressure of... It starts at an early age. <coughs> Anything else with middle school kids? Need for affirmation. Need for, affirmation. Need for a man in their life. Someone to... A support system around them. Lack of positive role models. Lack of positive role models. Awesome. Let's go to the next one. Uh, college students. Let's do college students.
1: Lives.
0: <laughs> All right, we're going to do young lives. Sorry about that. Young lives. Any young lives in here? No. All right. Well, we all have an idea of it. So, what are some things that uh, young lives? Broken
1: families.
0: Broken families. families. Mm -hmm. Abandoned. The man not might might not be in the picture. Helpless. What? Labeled. Labeled. Great. Shame. Someone say shame. Yeah, shame. Maybe. Dreams that they may have have died. Hopeless. What? Hopeless. Hopeless. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Purposeless. Purposeless. Purposelessness. <coughs> <Purpiceless. coughs>
1: what else? Fearful. Fearful. Forced to grow up.
0: Forced to grow up. They're still a kid, <laughs> and they have to grow up. <laughs> and so they're. Uh, they're not fully developed, how, how it's created. And it makes some of the, the best women, you know, we know. They have to grow up, they have to mature. Anything else real quick?
2: Generational change. Great, mm-hmm. generational change.
0: Totally, that's huge. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, what's the next one? Urban. Urban! <laughs> Father-less-ness. Fatherlessness. Great, what else? poverty
1: homelessness
0: homelessness abandon drug
1: abuse.
0: drug abuse Stereotyped yeah. what else no one believes in them no one believes in them that should break your flipping heart it kills me it kills me what else low well expectations Low expectations or no expectations. Maybe they can't get a college degree. It's the poverty. They don't believe in themselves. They, don't believe in themselves. They, have, uh, they can't see the future or the big picture because all they can do is just try to survive right now. I have a friend uh, that does urban and Louisville. And he would always, when he would go home, he would take all his food from his mom's pantry. And his mom's like, stop. Like, this is our food. And he says, do you know what it's like to be starving? Like, the hunger pains that you feel? Do you have any idea? My kids are always like that. And so this is meeting a, a basic physical need for them. And his mom's like, all right, well, right, let's go to the grocery store next It's a real issue. Homelessness, great. We're playing from behind. Playing from behind. or in a hole. great.
1: Advantage.
0: Disadvantaged, that's a great word. Okay, uh, let's go to uh, college. college. Addiction. Addiction. Mm-hmm. What else? Lost. 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 Craving success. Uh, reckless. Craving success. Craving success. Pressure. Unrealistic expectations. Adulting. Adulting? Trying to to be an adult. Yeah, trying to. They're still kids. They're they're trying to figure it together, but it's just not working. Is that right? (coughs) Kind
1: of like all my things that I've said. (laughs) Okay. Yeah.
0: Just trying to revert it. Alright, what else? They're alone. They're alone. The desire to want to be loved and accepted and they're trying to figure out their identity and what's crazy is parents, and maybe you guys uh, get this, parents are like it's okay we want you to just go in the debacle. because that's a college life that's what we did you gotta find yourself through the mess but you'll never have this time and so go for it no oh, like, it just creates more bondage, more slavery, more chains. What are some other things?
2: Temptation.
0: Impatience. I also uh, think of this idea of grades. Grades can be such an issue for our friends. A uh, crazy amount of anxiety, anxiety or worry. Hard-heartedness. Hard-heartedness. Parents. <laughs> Sexual, assault. <clears throat> Sexual assault. Maybe it's the parents. Did you say parents? Appearance. Appearance. Great. It's tough. They're still kids. They're still kids. Just because they're over 21, they're still kids. All right. Um, let's do high school kids. <laughs> or are we on? Capernaum. Come on. Mistreated.
1: Mistreated.
0: Mistreated. What? Someone said
2: acceptance. Acceptance. Can you come back?
0: I would love to come back to you. Uh, I like to say in Capernaum, we don't meet need special needs. We meet need very basic needs. Needs of love, acceptance, friendships. Love. Someone to believe in them. That's why I got a little old-fashioned right there. <laughs> what did you say? Not understood. Not understood. Did you say something? No. Someone
1: say something? No. Overlooked. Disrespected. Overlooked. What? Sorry. No. Someone say something, something. I'm just trying to. Disrespected. Disrespected.
0: Isolation. So true. So true. You guys have no idea. <laughs> you guys can go wherever you want anytime. Our friends are oftentimes watching four movies a day, going on Facebook or calling, because I literally one girl called one of my girl leaders 130 times in a weekend. So that's the only life she has. She that's her way of communicating or talking to people. She can't do anything. Hey, here's something crazy. Um, uh, physically abused, sexually abused, verbally abused. Um, it's horrific, uh, uh, the statistics. And it doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. For someone that can't talk or can't stand up, there's the evil within the hearts of men. Abuse it. And no one ever knows. And they might not be able to talk about it. And because of that, you might see crying, just random crying. i like, why are you crying? We're having fun. And it's because something triggered something and just brought, brought that person into that scenario. That's real crap. Those are real issues, right? High school. Let's do high school real quick. Did I miss anything? High school. Tell me. You guys know. I'm going to set this up.
1: Loss of innocence.
0: Loss of innocence. Great. (laughs) What else? Gossip. Gossip. Trying to fit in. Fit in. Identity crisis. What else? Desperate. Desperate. Abuse.
1: Abuse. Feeling worthless.
0: Feeling worthless. High pressure. Very similar to some of the things we've said.
1: Alcoholism.
0: What? Alcoholism. 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 Anything else?
1: Searching.
0: Searching depression,
1: Depression. so true, connection. what, lack of,
0: lack of genuine connection, gender issues, gender issues.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: it's a huge deal nowadays, and they're struggling with it, alright guys, I got one more thing for you, guys, I wanted us to just talk about this, because I hope that even while we're thinking about it, and we're just uh, talking about it as a group, it would stir this holy discontent within you, guys, you are young life leaders, you bring heaven to your friends. You bring Jesus to them. And you have to go. This is why we go. We can't play video games. We can't just sit and do nothing. We have to go and love our friends. Because if you don't go, who's going to go? And it will cost you everything. Jim Rayburn, our founder of Young Life. This was his uh, his last speech to his, the staff. The staff of Young Life. And this is his holy discontent. And it didn't change for him, okay? So we're going to finish on this. Thank you, guys. We're going to finish on this, all right? I hope it downloads. Here we go.
2: The big dream was a pretty little dream. But it got big because there was such a big idea behind it. Everyone has a right to know the truth about Jesus Christ. They're in every class, in every color, in every ethnic group, in every segment of our society. Everyone needs Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. They have a tell. right to know who he is. They have a right to know what he's done for them. They have a right to know how they relate to that. They have a right to know him personally. They have a right to make their own choice of him. Man, I if there was ever a generation in human history that needed to hear that. It's now. So the big dream, stated another way, is this. It's a group of people bound together in the single-minded purpose that there's no price too high to pay to see to it that young people have a chance to know the Savior. That's not just what young lives all about. That's all that young lives all about. I hope that you people will get up with new determination and go back to the big dream and make it come true in millions of lives.
0: I'm going to pray for you guys. Father God, I pray for this generation here and now in this room uh, at Great Wolf. Lord, I pray that these would be men and women that listen uh, to your heart, to what wrecks you, what causes you pain. Uh, This is my little intro music. (laughs) I pray that we would be on our knees and that we would dare to dream so big um, that it's destined to fail without you. I pray that they would not look at themselves uh, and their inadequacies, but they would look to you knowing that your grace is sufficient for all things. They would boast in their weaknesses because when they are weak, you are strong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I pray that we will go after kids and we will step into the brokenness and step into the mess and the crap and the hardship because someone has to bring the light in a dark world. And Lord, thank you that you did this to us. (laughs) The word became flesh and dwelt among this. And so we don't do anything that you haven't done. Pray that we would follow your example and that we would be courageous and that we would step out and we would give our lives away to what breaks your heart. There's real brokenness, real hardship. And we say no more, no more. Thank you for this time. Thank you for these leaders. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.